So uh, my name is Ashley Alley Crawford, and my husband Todd and I have been a part of this community for two and a half years. And uh, I am a pastor, but I'm not a pastor who serves um, in the local church. I work with Methodist Church. Um, all over Kansas and Nebraska doing some things related to helping people hear um, God's call and also kind of know how to respond to that. So it's my, we worship here. Um, we're here most every Sunday and, um, and it was a, a joy to, to be able to, to preach today. I don't know if you all were here last week or if um, through the power of the Facebook you were able to watch the stream of, um, of the video, um, but Derek preached a really powerful sermon. Um, and I just would invite you all to hear it. Um, it. Things he said, he'd done his research and he's a great communicator, but what was so powerful to me, oh yeah, now you're getting a glimpse of, of Derek. I asked for him to send me pictures and then I think somebody found some more. So, <laughs> so he may not even know all these were submitted. Um, what was so powerful to me, I was sitting um, about over here uh, last week, and I just heard Jesus's words um, that a tree will be known by its fruit. It will, you will know a tree um, by its fruit. And um, Derek is, without get, him getting a big head about it, uh, Derek is the fruit of Horizons. His family has worshipped here. You can see little Derek here. I met him as a full-grown adult, um, but he was a kid who grew up here in this church. And the message that he gave last week was one um, where he was inviting us, I think, to live into our core identity of who we are as Horizons. You see it on the walls over here behind this uh, rock formation um, about, uh, about, uh, about pouring into the faith of other generations of children and youth. And Derek is the lived sermon of that, uh, lived embodiment of that sermon. Um, and so again, we don't want to give him a big head about it, um, but for, for, uh, for this church has been around for, for, two and, for 25 years, and, um, and this is the fruit um, of, of who this church is. And I just think that's helpful for us. Um, and I think churches have an identity, too. And I think this is core to who we are uh, as the body of Christ of Horizons. Well, um, I think it's helpful for us to think about identity every now and then, especially in times of um, transition or disruption um, or in times of um, where things are changing. And we are, as a community, we are changing. We, we are going to have a new pastor here next week. You've seen the signs. Um, you've heard the stories. We've gotten to celebrate and say goodbye to beloved Pastor Jason, and we've been able to welcome and prepare for, um, for Pastor Mandy, who's coming. And so um, as I was thinking about where we are, um, as a church, I was drawn to um, one of my favorite stories in the Bible. So today I'm going to tell you about Mephibosheth. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. Does anybody even know who Mephibosheth is? <laughs> okay, I see one nod here. Second Samuel. It's actually a super interesting but pretty small and insignificant story. I'm not going to talk about Mephibosheth. Um, <laughs> well, I'm going to talk about Peter. Um, Peter, you probably know who um, Peter is from the Bible. He's one of the big New Testament characters apart from Jesus. He's a fisherman. Um, he's one of the early leaders in the church. He was a kind of a feisty and bold guy, um, and he, he has some really great shining uh, moments and some um, difficult moments as well. Um, and, uh, and, but I think that Peter's like, Peter's somebody, I've been studying Peter um, in the Bible um, and his writings for, for two and a half years. I just can't get away from him. So I suppose it's, it's pretty natural for, for me to be thinking about him in terms of who we are as a community right now. But we are in the middle of some changes. And, um, and my guess is that for some of us here um, in this community, it's not 
the change of the church is not super significant to you, but maybe you've got some personal life changes. Maybe you're about to become an empty nester, or maybe your family is preparing uh, to welcome a new member um, in the family. Maybe you've got a new job um, that's coming on the horizon, or maybe you um, are going through a really difficult season um, in your marriage or um, with, with a family member. My guess is that for all of us, um, we may find ourselves in the midst of um, an in-between, in, in, in a bit of a turning point season in our life. Um, it's, turning points are hard and they're good. I actually was reading a book that talked about how if we want to start or stop a habit, one of the best times to do it to make it stick is in the midst of transition. Who would have thought? But turning points, transition, provide us an opportunity to take a step back, to look at our story, to see who we are, see who we want to be, see who God's calling us to be, and then step into that. And I think Peter's story um, gives us some good handles for that. Um, sometimes the chapter that we are living in, that you may be living in, may be really uncertain, or it may be really, really, really hard. And it may be sunshine and rainbows and roses and unicorns and all good things. But regardless of the season um, that, we, that you may be living in, that we as a community are living in, Peter's life gives us an ability to navigate how to, um, how, how to move through the pain, move through success, move through do-overs, and help us answer the question, what helps us to live a life that's going to emerge in victory on the other side rather than tragedy. Well, I want to start at the very beginning of Peter's um, story, and it is, it's a, I call this chapter one, um, and it's his call story. We meet Peter very early in Jesus's ministry, and, um, and we, we meet him and his brother um, and their two, their two fishing buddies on the seashore. And I want to just read, um, read this scripture here. Uh, Peter isn't even known by the name Peter yet. His name is Simon, but hear these words um, about Peter's call. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge, Jesus saw at the water's edge, two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. Jesus got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and he asked him to put it out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he'd finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water, and let the nets down for a catch. Now, Peter and the other um, fishermen had just cleaned all their nets, but here we go. Simon answered, Master, we have worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I'll let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and to help them, and they came and they filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken, and so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. 
There is a ton in this story, and I've preached a whole sermon just on this text here. Um, and I think it's very powerful. The crowds are starting to recognize who this Jesus is and that he has some authority, and he's drawing, uh, drawing a sense of curiosity. We have these four very experienced fishermen who have been doing this for a while. They had worked really hard, come up with nothing, and Jesus the carpenter, tells them where to put down their nets, and they do it. Jesus shows up in the middle of a frustrating night of work and invites them away into deeper waters. I could preach all those things, but the thing that I think is so powerful is there is a turning point in this story. Peter finds himself, after seeing this miraculous showing of, of power here, of the overwhelming number of fish that have come here, he's, he realizes the truth about himself and about God. About himself, he says, get away from me. I am a sinner. And about Jesus, he recognizes you are the Lord. He calls him the Lord. In this moment, Jesus calms his fears and invites Peter to consider a different vocational path. Why don't you fish for people rather than for fish? And what's more, he and his buddies, they all do it. This is the chapter one. This is the beginning of the story. Maybe that's where you find yourself today. Are you in a place where you are seeing the truth about yourself, the truth about God? Are you sensing God giving you an invitation? So this is chapter one. Chapter two is a different scene for Peter, and I call this kind of the roller coaster of life. This is, um, there's lots of ups in, in Peter's life and lots of downs. The ups are really up, the downs are really down, um, and this is real life uh, for, for us, too. P Peter um, goes on he, to, to follow Jesus. He does indeed follow him, and he becomes a witness to many miracles, feeding 5,000. He even gets to take a few steps on wa walking on water. Um, he sees healing, and he's a part of the healing of people, body, mind, and spirit. Um, but probably the most significant up um, is, is um, told in Matthew 16. And in this story, it's the middle, kind of the middle of the ministry, and, and Jesus is um, hanging out with the disciples, and uh, he says to them, he says, who do people say that I am? Maybe the people in the crowds had, who'd been following, who do, who do people say that I am? And um, and they said, well, um, some think you're Elijah, like the guy that um, Derek preached about last week, um, Elijah, who left in a chariot of fire and you've come back. Some people think that you're G uh, John the Baptist reincarnated. Some people think you're another prophet. And then uh, Jesus zeroes in on Peter and he says, who do you say that I am? If this was a movie, the camera would slow and pan um, on Peter's face. And Peter says, you are the Messiah. You're the anointed one. You are the one that we have been waiting for. That is the right answer, friends. <laughs> Jesus is not just a miracle worker. He's not even just a prophet or a good teacher. Jesus is the Messiah, the anointed one, the one that we have been waiting for, whether we realized it or not. So Jesus responds to Peter with a blessing, blessed are you, and then a promise. And he says, you are um, Peter, the rock, and on you I am going to build my church. Jesus gave him authority. 
um, Peter, this fallible fisherman who was prone to um, excitement and, and, and failure, um, he gave him authority um, to be a leader of the, the body of believers who would follow him. So these are the ups. The downs. You may um, remember Peter for some of his failings, and probably most prominently is the one where he denies even knowing that Christ, that Messiah, the one who would save the world, he denies even knowing him um, in the the night before Jesus is uh, crucified. And um, and not only that. Um, Prior to that, he had been, Jesus had invited him and James and John, those fishing buddies, show up again. He'd invited them into the, lake, uh, into the Garden of Gethsemane, and he asked them to pray. Will you watch and pray? My heart, he, Jesus was at his worst moment, and he asked them to pray. So Peter, he does, he can't, he can't keep his eyes open. He falls asleep. He falls asleep. He denies even knowing who Jesus is, and it results in probably some of the most tragic words of all of history. He wept bitterly. It's possible that you are in a season of life in a chapter two that, that you're feeling the roller coaster, the ups and the downs. Perhaps you've even found yourself in a place of weeping bitterly recently. But maybe you're feeling hope and possibility of new things to come. Chapter two is neither all good nor is it all bad. The sun will come out again for those of us who are weeping bitterly, and we have to be reminded that um, there may still be some darkness ahead for those of us who are feeling all the blessing and all the promise. Regardless, this is not the end of the story for Peter, and it's not the end of the story for us. He's about to have a wake-up call. Wake-up calls are turning points, and they are actually wonderful invitations to get us out of our slumber, to get us out of our regret and out of our pain, and to set us into a place where we can have a new sense of who we are. And it's in seasons of wake-up calls that it is important for us to know our stories, to know our identity as Christ's beloved, to know who we are as a community, as a church. There's a before and there's an after in turning points, and there's an invitation for us to have clarity. For Peter, uh, that invitation was actually fishing again. It's interesting, I think, sometimes God keeps bringing us back to places where we have encountered him before, where we have heard his voice, where we have recognized it, where we have said yes once before, and he gives us another invitation. And that's what it was like for Peter uh, that day. We read about it in John chapter 21. He and his fishing buddies were at it again. And um, they had another miraculous haul of fish. And this time, Peter didn't respond the same. I'll let you read it um, in John 21. He didn't respond the same. He didn't fall at his feet. He actually was quiet, and he didn't say a word. So it was like being called to the principal's office, and Jesus called him to a little corner of the beach here, and they had a one-on-one. -on -one. And in this one-on-one, -on -one, Jesus said to Peter, he asked him three times, Simon, he called him Simon, his given name, Simon, do you love me? And three times Peter said convincingly, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And three times he gave him another new job, not just to follow him and not just to, to fish for people, but this time he said, feed my sheep. But just to make sure that Peter had truly been changed um, and learned his lesson from, um, from the first um, experience of failure, 
Jesus says, by the way, when you do this, it's going to be terrible. <laughs> you are going to suffer. Um, you are going to have to go to some place that you don't want to go. And um, yet, I'm going to ask you again, will you follow me? So Peter is on the sand in this one-on-one -on -one being given another invitation to follow, except this time he knows where he's going. This is the turning point. This is the thing that determines the whole end of the story. Maybe you're feeling a turning point um, in your life right now. You're on the edge. Um, I can do this and go back to the, the way that I've the ups and downs here. Or maybe um, you're, you are sensing um, an invitation into an unknown future. That's kind of us as a community right now. Maybe it feels exciting, um, the turning point does. Maybe it just feels scary or something in between. And yet clarity is the gift that Jesus gave Peter that day. It's going to be hard, but I want you to follow me. So chapter three, we see Peter actually saying yes to this. And we see the bold testimony that Peter um, enters into. We, we can read about it in the book of Acts. Um, and um, lots of things happen real quickly. In Acts, Jesus ascends to the Father, um, and Pentecost comes, and the Holy Spirit is given to all, um, to all of, of the church, um, and boldness results. So Peter, this guy who fell asleep um, in, in the Garden of Gethsemane in Jesus' most um, tender hour um, and denied even knowing him, we see him and John, the fishing buddy, um, doing things like healing people and speaking words um, with authority. And we actually hear him in chapter four, we hear him defending to all the religious establishment who this Jesus was, the name that they had healed people in. And, um, and he explains exactly who Jesus is. He says that they had crucified him, God raised him from the dead, but Jesus was the one who was the savior. Now, the religious establishment was shut up. They were quieted. Um, and I love these words in, um, in, chapter, um, in Acts chapter 4, verse 13. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. I think that's so powerful. You may feel totally ill-equipped. For something. You may feel like an unschooled, ordinary person, and yet the distinguishing characteristic, the thing that sets us off to a new ending, is whether or not we've been hanging out with Jesus. I love it. There's no earthly reason that they should have had the bold confidence to speak up like they did, and yet they had been with Jesus. Friends, we have that exact same invitation every single day. We are invited to spend time with Jesus through His Word through prayer, through paying attention. I call, I have a definition for prayer that it's paying attention with God to our life, to those around us. Anything becomes an invitation for prayer to be able to hear and ask Jesus, what is it you want me to do in this circumstance? Maybe he's going to give you a specific instruction about where to cast your net or how to spend your time, where, what to do um, with your vocational life. Um, but regardless, he's going to invite us to follow him. We get to hang out with Jesus. Peter, in this moment, in these experiences, he is bearing the fruit of the seeds that were planted in chapters 1 and chapter 2. Chapter 1, where he got honest 
knowing who he was and knowing who Jesus was. In chapter two, where he was able to pay attention um, and to, to, the, to the ups and downs, to the roller coasters of life. And here in chapter three, he is experiencing the joy of the companionship of Jesus. Well, chapter three for us uh, may be a long haul, but wouldn't it be awesome if people would say the courage and um, the, the boldness that we have, people can attribute it to the fact that we've been hanging out with Jesus. Well, we're going to move to chapter four, and here we're going to take a look at Peter's own words in scripture. First Peter, there's two letters. Um, my first, my favorite's First Peter. There's tons of really great things in it, but all through First Peter, he is absolutely living those words that Jesus had given him. You're going to suffer. It's going to be hard. The whole, uh, the underlying theme of First Peter is suffering, but the second underlying theme in all of it is the glory that results from suffering with Christ. And he says some words that I think were birthed in his failure in the Garden of Gethsemane. In chapter 4, verse 7, Peter says these words, be self-controlled and alert so that you can pray. Now, I think there's a footnote that should be there. I know it says not to add words to scripture, but I think this is the footnote. Be self-controlled and alert so you can pray and you won't fall asleep when your best friend, who's also the savior of the world, asks you to stay awake and watch and pray. I'm pretty sure that that's in there too. So Jesus teaches him a lesson and plants these seeds in the first part of his life. And those seeds bear fruit. And Peter grows into maturity so that he himself can offer that confidence. So the new Peter, at the end of chapter 5 of 1 Peter, he gives a promise that, frankly, friends, is for us as well. He says this. He has confidence. And he says this. He says, after you have suffered a while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore and support and strengthen and establish you for his glory. The God of all grace will himself, Jesus, the one who walked the earth, who resurrected, who ascended, who we can encounter as well, he himself will give us the strength in the midst of the suffering. This is the gift of what it means to be a Christian. We don't have to walk our our lives alone. Sometimes we take it for granted. We just forget. We are busy going about doing our things, um, and we forget about the joy of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. But we are not left alone in our uncertainty or in our transition, in our pain, in our joy, We, in chapter 4, when we're living with the mindset of Peter in chapter 4, we're able to receive the gifts that with the suffering also comes the glory. Well, this really is the end of Peter's story. We don't get to see um, all the details. Um, there's definitely tradition about, about the end of his life. But, um, but, there's, but, but we're, for our story, we really are um, somewhere in the middle of the things that God is, is doing in us as a community and in you in your own life. But I just want to recap for us. In chapter 1, it's Peter's call, and he receives an invitation to humbly obey and he does. He goes and he follows. In chapter two, in a roller coaster, um, the ups and the downs of life, Peter is invited to slow down and um, to pay attention um, to the places where, um, where Jesus wants to be present to him. 
there's a turning point, and in that turning point, it's an invitation to be honest. It's a moment of clarity emerging. We get to see Peter's bold testimony, which points to nothing more than hanging out with Jesus, learning to be a companion of his and letting him, letting that rub off on us. We get to receive Jesus's gifts, which are the confidence of, of, um, and, of encouragement and support. So uh, this is, as, as we see Peter's story, I just want to remind us um, that I want to clear up one important thing. I've been calling this Peter's story, but it's actually not. And our stories are actually not um, our stories as well. The lead actor, if we were to, to um, identify that, is actually God himself. God, everything changes when we see that, um, that God is actually the lead actor in our own lives. God's the lead actor here at Horizons. God wants to be the lead actor um, in your family, in your personal life, um, in the work that you are called to do. This is Christ's church, um, and we are God's people. We definitely have important roles, but the hero and the one who gets to steal the scene in every circumstance is actually God himself, and it is by his grace that he chooses us, that he wants to bless us, and that he sustains us, and that he brings us to a place where we can have clarity and where we can know that it's his story um, that, that he wants to invite us into. And it's Christ who, who, who um, gives us the grace to be aware of his presence and that he himself will restore us and strengthen us and establish us and, um, and support us. Well, I started out the sermon by, um, by referencing Derek's sermon from last week, and uh, he invited us to pass on the gift of faith to the next generation. And I really think this is the same um, invitation that, that Jesus gave to Peter, first to, to become a fisher of people and then um, to, to feed his sheep. But I want to introduce a different metaphor, and it's that of planting seeds. You see, I think that there are seeds that are planted that grow into maturity that, uh, that we are doing now that we will never see uh, until generations long in advance. This week, uh, Todd and I went camping up at Mahoney, and um, on the last day we were there, we were sitting kind of under these very tall oak trees, and, and Todd said, I wonder how long ago these were planted here, and I, I wonder um, if there's new seeds, new trees that are planting um, that, that will be able to provide shade long into the future, and I think that's exactly where we are um, today as well. We are certainly receiving the, the shade of um, seeds that were planted 25, uh, 20, 15 years ago. But I think it's an opportunity for us um, to allow God to pl plant new seeds that are going to bear much fruit long into the future. The trees of tomorrow are planted from the seeds of today. May you and may I allow Jesus to do the work to plant the seeds, to bring us to a place of awareness that we may have clarity, that we may say yes, despite suffering, um, to receive the joy of his presence here with us. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you so much for an awareness of who you are and for your invitation. We thank you that you do, like with Peter, invite us to see the truth of who we are and the truth of who you are. 
We thank you, God, um, that you give us the grace to ride the roller coaster, that you help us pay attention to your invitations. God, we do pray that we would each have an awareness of the turning point. What is it that you want to speak to us so that we may follow in in more faithful obedience um, to the joys you have ahead of us? Bring us deeper to be your companions. Uh, Rub off on us, God, that others may know that we have been with you. And may we truly rely on you and you alone to establish us, to strengthen us, to support us, to empower us to be the the people that you have called us to be um, long into the future. Thank you for planting your seeds in us and in this community. We pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen.